and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other platforms that we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. I want to say hello to you, and I hope that you are having a marvelous day today, and as usual, it's so great to have you tuned in. Uh, I do want to start the broadcast off today uh, sharing with you a very, very important prayer request uh, concerning myself. Uh, I went to the doctor yesterday. I have been having trouble with uh, my right ear. It's been bleeding and draining and, uh, and even to the point where I feel dizzy at times. I feel off balance, like I'm having a hard time <laughs> holding my balance. It's a good thing I, got, I don't drive because if I did and I got pulled over, I mean, I probably wouldn't even pass the sobriety test because I, I can't balance myself very well. Uh, but just pray the doctor is going to be starting me on a fourth antibiotic. So far, I've gone through three antibiotics, which haven't seemed to help very much. And so he's going to start me on a fourth antibiotic. Hopefully, this one will do the trick. If not, they're going to have to do a CT scan and see what's going on there. And then after that, they may have to do some surgery depending on what the CT scan reveals. So those of you that are prayer warriors, and I know that many of you are, I hope that you'll hold me up in your prayers and that you will pray that God will grant me healing with the ear problem that I have. Uh, the doctor told me yesterday he, he thinks what could happen, could have happened is that I've got either a hole or a crack in my skull which is allowing uh, fluid to drain out, spinal fluid to drain out. And um, if that is the case, they'll have to do some type of brain surgery. And for the first time in my life, I'll be operated on by a brain surgeon. And, uh, but just pray that maybe that won't be necessary. And that this fourth antibiotic will do the trick. Um, but I know, like I say, I know many of you are prayer warriors, and the minute I mention a prayer request like that, I know that you're going to be hard at work praying for me. And of course, likewise, I pray for you. And that's why I always share with people to let me know what your prayer requests are, and I will pray for you. And that much I can assure you. In fact, I'm going to give you the contact information at the start of today's broadcast so that I won't have to make time to do that at the end of the broadcast. If you have a prayer request or a Bible study question, uh, you can reach me by email. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com and if you want to contact me by snail mail that's the old-fashioned, old-school way you could do that, too. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thrusted Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thrusted Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And I would love to hear from you. And I'd love for some of you to write to me and tell me your testimony.
Tell me what the Lord means to you and how you got saved and what you're doing for the Lord. That would mean so much to me. And let me know where you're from and where you listen to Sunshine USA at. I would love to hear that as well. Praise the Lord. And if you have answers to prayer, by all means, share that as well. That will be great. Well, let's go to the Lord of the Word of Prayer right now. We'll get started with the Bible study for today. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll be with me as I endeavor to preach your word. Lord, uh, forgive me of my sins and shortcomings, for there are many. And Lord, I pray that you will help me to rightly divide your word before this nationwide and worldwide radio audience. Lord, help me to say what somebody else needs to hear. And Lord, I thank you and praise you in advance for what I know you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, we're going through the book of Acts at the present time. And the book of Acts is a very important book for us to study because it basically is the history of the first century church. And there's a lot that we can learn through an in-depth study of the book of Acts. Because when we see how things were done, in that first century church at Jerusalem, we find out how God wants our churches today to be. And I might add this, and I don't say this critically, but I say it truthfully. Uh, many churches today, in fact, probably most churches today, are not entirely biblical in the way they do things. I mean, I'll just be honest with you like that. Um, if the Lord came back today and he visited your church, he would probably tell you there's some things going on in your church he's not happy with. Um, just saying. <laughs> Myself included. You know. I, I make no claim for perfection. Uh, I told someone one time, uh, when you listen to me preach, if you've come to hear a perfect preacher preach, you've come to the wrong place. I'm not perfect. Far from it. And people that know me best will tell you that. Amen. But I do have a perfect Savior. I have a perfect, loving God. Amen. Well, in the book of Acts, we're starting today with Acts chapter 9. We've been in Acts chapter 9 for the past few broadcasts. I do suspect there is the possibility that we might finish... Acts chapter 9 today. So we're going to start with Acts chapter 9, verse 32. And it came to pass as Peter passed through all quarters, he came down also into the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Now, uh, somebody has asked me, was Peter the first pastor of this church at Jerusalem? And I would say basically yes. Uh, it, it seems that Peter had taken on a leadership role, and I think it would be safe to refer to Peter as the pastor of the first century church. Now, contrary to what some believe and teach, he was not the first pope. <laughs> he would not even be qualified to be the first pope. I mean, if you study your New Testaments, you will find that Peter was a married man. And the Pope could not be a married man. So 
Peter was not the first pope by any means, but he probably was the pastor of the first church there in Jerusalem. He certainly took on a very important leadership role, and so he's traveling now. Now, by the way, by this point, a lot of the members of this church, apart from the apostles, they had already scattered. So for Peter to minister to the folks in his congregation, he had to travel. Because they weren't sticking around in Jerusalem. They knew that it was not safe for them as believers in Jesus Christ to stick around in Jerusalem because they would be persecuted. And especially after the stoning death of Stephen, the first deacon, (laughs) they didn't dare stick around. They scattered. Now, ironically, this is exactly what the Lord wanted the church to do. They were to go ye therefore and teach all nations. And there was no way they could do that back in that day without personally leaving Jerusalem and going to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the only way they could carry out the Great Commission. Now, we have the good fortune today. I, for example, can preach the gospel and teach the Bible to the whole world from the comfort of my own apartment. Now, the first century church didn't have that ability. Because back in those days, it was long before the internet came along. So the only way you could reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ is to go into a lost and dying world. And God knew the Christian believers there at Jerusalem enough to know that left to their own devices, they would have stayed right there in Jerusalem. They had roots there. They were comfortable there. They had all the creature comforts of life there. But if they had stayed in Jerusalem the gospel would not have been spread. And so God allowed persecution to come along, which did a pretty good job of causing the people to scatter. But anyway, in the case of Peter, he's visiting the flock, and he comes to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there was a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. That's in verse 33. Now here's a man, Aeneas. He's been sick of the bed with palsy for eight years. Now that meant this man was not able to take care of himself. He was totally dependent on others to take care of him. And therefore there were plenty of people that could testify that for the past eight years, this man was indeed and in fact very sick. So sick he couldn't get out of bed for eight years. So along comes Peter. And in verse 34, And Peter said, And Aeneas, Jesus Christ, maketh thee whole, arise, and make thy bed, And he immediately arose. That's at verse 34. Now, one thing I like about Peter here, when this man is healed, Peter does not take credit for the healing. He's letting this man know that it's Jesus Christ who is healing him, not him, not Peter. 
Peter is simply an instrument that God is using. But it's not Peter healing this man, it's the Lord Jesus Christ healing this man. He says, get up and make your bed. Now you think about that for a moment. This is something this man hadn't done for eight years. He'd been in that bed for eight years. That means that this bed wasn't made up by him for eight years. Now, no doubt somebody made the bed for him periodically over the past eight years, but not this man. He couldn't do it for himself. So he says, get up and make your bed. <laughs> now, let me say something here. It's very important. When God does something for us, he expects us to do something else in return. You know. In other words, he expects us to do for ourselves that which we can do for ourselves. Now, like I've said many times, we have, I know, many ministerial students who listen to this program on a regular basis. And I thank God for that. Some of you preparing for the ministry, you have told me that you consider me to be your mentor in the ministry. And let me tell you something. I thank God for that. I want to be your mentor. I want to be someone that pours myself into you and helping you be a great minister for God in the future. Because I know a lot of you young ministers... You're going to be around doing the Lord's will will and the Lord's work long after I'm gone, if the Lord tarries. Amen. So the wisest thing I can do is to sit down and pour myself into those of you who will be doing the work of God long after I'm gone. But do understand that God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. For example, let's say you've got a test coming up in seminary or Bible college. And you tell your church, y'all, I want you to pray for me. i got a big test tomorrow. Well, that's all fine, well, and good. But you know what? You've got to study for that test. You've got to academically prep yourself. Don't expect God or someone else to do that for you. You've got to do that for yourself. So this man being healed, he takes up his bed and he makes it up and he starts walking around and everybody is praising God for the healing of this man. And everybody is rejoicing the Lord. Let's see what happens next. Okay. It says, And all that dwelt in Lydda and Saron saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now, of course, this gets to the reason that God used these apostles to do the healings in the first place. Number one, it was Jesus, actually, who did the healings. But the whole purpose was to reach people for the Lord. 
you see, first of all, God had to have a way of authenticating the message. And I've said many times, uh, people back then didn't have their own copy of the Word of God. I was looking in my own apartment just the other day, and I realized the other day, I said, man, I've got many, many Bibles. I think I've got seven, eight, nine, ten Bibles, something like that, that I personally own, that I know of. And I've got two other Bibles on my cell phone, or I should say two Bible apps, and those Bible apps have the Bible available to me in different languages, different versions, different translations. All kinds of commentaries are available to me online. But the first century church, they didn't have that. In fact, when Philip, another preaching deacon, went to minister to the Ethiopian eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading a passage out of Isaiah. And that meant, of course, that this eunuch, no doubt, had to be a very wealthy man. You see, a scroll containing the scriptures back in those days, it was very, very expensive. Uh, this was long before the printing press was ever printed. And back then, every copy of the Word of God, it had to be meticulously written out by hand. It had to be meticulously written out by hand. I mean, seriously. It had to be wrote out by hand. And because of that, it was very time-consuming and also very expensive. We are told, for example, that back in those days, it was not uncommon for a copy of the scriptures to cost upwards to a year's salary. Now think about how much money you make in a year. Now, of course, if you're like me, you don't actually earn, per se, so much money a year. You have X number of dollars a month coming to you from Social Security, and, and in my case, Social Security is my only income. Like I say, I don't draw an income from this radio program. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you figure up how much money you have coming in every year. And that's basically how much a copy of the Word of God costs. So very, very few people had their own copy of the Word of God. They went to the synagogue, the Jewish believers did. And there they listened to someone else read the scripture for them. But now here... We have the Ethiopian eunuch, who obviously was a man of means, had a lot of money, had his own copy of the scriptures. Problem was, the Ethiopian eunuch could not understand what he read, so Philip comes along and he reads the word of God to him and helps him to understand it. Amen. But... The apostles needed some way for their message to be authenticated. And that's why there was a lot of emphasis in those days on signs and wonders and miracles and healings because it was God's way of authenticating the message. Now, that is not to say that God doesn't still do miracles today. 
I have seen God do many miracles even in our day. I mean, seriously. I might be a Baptist, but I believe in miracles. Amen. But back in those days, the miracles were especially important because it was God's way of authenticating the message. You see, you and I have our own copy of the Word of God, and the Word of God for us as Christians is our authority. When I read something in the Word of God, that is the Word of God. It is the will of God for me. So when I listen to a preacher preach on radio or television or in person, I listen to them preach, and if what they say doesn't line up with the pages of God's Word, I write that preacher off. I don't give that preacher the time of day. But now if what they teach and preach preaches lines up with my Bible, guess what? I'm going to support that preacher. I'm going to pray for that preacher. I'm going to do everything I can to help that preacher. Amen. Well, let's see what happens next. Well, let's go down to verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. So here's a woman named Tabitha. She obviously does a lot of good for a lot of people. The implication here is that she was probably a woman of wealth, but she shared that wealth with other people. She did a lot of good for people. And then something happens. What happens? Let's go to verse 37. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. That's the first part of verse 37. Now, a lot of people would say, why would God allow such a godly woman who's doing so much good for so many people, why would God allow a woman like that to get sick and die? Well, it happens all the time, and eventually it will happen to all of us one way or another unless we just happen to be alive when the rapture takes place. But unless the rapture takes place in our lifetime, the day is coming for you and I when we will die. And I don't care how good a care you take of yourself. I don't care how good the doctors are that you go to. One of these days, the Bible says, it's appointed unto a man once to die. It's an appointment you can't get out of. There's no way you can cancel that appointment. There's no way you can postpone that appointment. You have a rendezvous with death. It's going to happen to each of us. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it. But it's a fact. One of these days, we're going to die. Let's read on. Whom, when they had washed... They laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lotta was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, 
they sent unto him two men, desiring him that they that he rather would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose in verse 39 and went to them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her up her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, and he lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa, with one Simon, a tenor, or a tenor, not a tenor. <laughs> I don't know that Simon sung. I don't know that he was a tenor. He was a tanner by trade. But once again, we see a healing takes place, and as a result, many people come to the Lord. And uh, I think what we read here in these closing verses of chapter 9 is what was commonly taking place all over the region. People were being healed. The dead were being raised to life. And, and by the way, raising Tabitha up from the dead was the ultimate healing. <laughs> now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know too many people that have personally been raised from the dead today. Now, I know Jesus Christ, he was the first fruit of them that had been resurrected. But I don't know personally anybody today that has been brought back from the dead. Now, you do hear a lot of stories about people who died and came back to earth. I'm not sure, however, how much stock I put into those stories. There was one book in particular written about a boy that died and went to heaven and came back to earth. And the author of that book has since admitted there were some fabrications in the book. So when people talk about these near-death experiences and coming back from the dead, I am, I guess, by nature a little bit skeptical. I don't know firsthand, personally, anybody that has been resurrected. For one thing, one of the things I think about is the fact that if I died and went to heaven, I don't think I'd want to come back. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. If I died and went to heaven, do you think for one moment I want to come back to the pain and suffering and misery of this old life? Not a chance in your life. I mean, the Lord would have to do a pretty good job of convincing me that I was needed if I came back. <laughs> I wouldn't want to come back. But once again, we do want to say here that Peter was a man used of God. But he was a man sold out to God. He was not himself God, though. Now, a lot of times, we preachers, we have to be careful 
The people understand that we're preachers, but we're not perfect. And the last thing in the world we want anybody to do is to put us on a pedestal for somebody to worship us. We're not here to be worshipped. We're not here to be worshipped. But rather, we are to worship God and point others to God. Whenever people give me a compliment, I thank them for the compliment, but I said, you know, any praise, honor, and glory goes to God. Not to me, to God. Because that's the one I serve. That's the one I work for. Amen. Now, we've got plenty of time still left in today's broadcast, so we're going to at least get started in verse in chapter 10. I could just about assure you we're not going to finish chapter 10 today. We'll probably spend at least two or three broadcasts in chapter 10, just like we did in chapter 9. But we'll at least endeavor to get started in the book of Acts chapter 10, starting with verse 1. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. A devout man, and one that feared God, with all his house, which gave him alms to the people, and prayed to God always. Now that's in verses 1 and 2. So here's a man named Cornelius. He was a Gentile. He was Italian. A centurion. Evidently a centurion in the Roman army. And uh, we find that this man was a godly man. Now, this was a little bit unusual because really up to this point, there hadn't been a whole lot of preaching directed at the Gentiles. But it would also be very erroneous to say that there were no Gentile believers. Obviously, this guy named Cornelius was a believer. Yes, he was a Gentile. But he was a very devout man. The Bible says he always prayed to God. Now that doesn't mean I think he prayed to God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. When Jesus said men ought always to pray, he didn't mean that you have to be on your knees praying 7 days a week, 24 hours a day. What he meant by that was we find ourselves praying often. We spend a lot of time in prayer. And we pray about anything and everything. We don't allow ourselves to face a situation without praying about it first. I can tell you firsthand, the times in my life that I have messed up the most are the times when I failed to pray and seek the guidance of God. That's when I have screwed up the most. And if you're honest, you would say the same thing. Anytime we do something first without talking to God first, it's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for failure. But this man, Cornelius, he was a very devout man. Even though, like I say, he was a Gentile. 
Now, I might point out that it was not unusual for Gentiles to occasionally be given a chance to hear the word of God. For example, in the Old Testament, you read about Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of God. And Jonah was given an assignment by the Lord to go to Nineveh. Now, generally speaking, in those days, whenever the word of God was preached, it was preached only to other Jews. The Jews were the chosen people. But sometimes God would raise up a prophet like Jonah and say, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to preach my word to the people there. Because I'm getting ready to destroy them. I'm getting ready to send destruction their way. And they need to know it's because of their sin and wickedness. Now, part of that assignment, Jonah liked. <laughs> because these Ninevites, they were enemies of Israel. And it would give him great pleasure to watch God burn these cities with fire and brimstone because he hated their guts. But Jonah knew God well enough to know that if the word of God were preached to the people of Nineveh, they would listen and they would respond. They would get right with God. They would repent. And God would, hold, would withhold judgment. And that made Jonah mad. He couldn't stand the thought of his enemies being forgiven. So he decides to jump on a ship, pay the fare, and man, he was going to get as far away from Nineveh as he could. And you know the story. They come into a storm. The storm gets worse and worse. The ship is in danger of collapsing and sinking. Until finally Jonah is thrown overboard. But Jonah says uh, to the men he was sailing with, look, you throw me overboard and the sea will become crystal clear. It will become perfectly calm. So however reluctantly the men, they threw Jonah overboard, and sure enough, the sea got calm. And Jonah was swallowed up in the belly of a well or big fish, whichever way you want to interpret it. And I'm sure it was a scary experience for Jonah. Now, I'm not sure who was more scared. Jonah or the whale. I don't know. But after three days, the whale spits out Jonah and he lands on the beach. And guess what? God says, Jonah, you're still going to Nineveh. And however reluctantly this time, Jonah did what the Lord told him to do. He went to Nineveh, he preached, and you guessed it, the people repented, and God withheld the judgment. And boy, did it make Jonah mad. But you see, the people of Nineveh, they were not Jews, they were Gentiles. 
And God saved them. And God saved them because he loved them. I mean, after all, he created them. He loved them. He cared for them. And he felt like he had no choice but to forgive them when they repented. Amen. It says, a devout man, verse 2, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Verse 3, and he saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour. This would be about three o'clock in the afternoon, and an angel of God coming in and saying unto him, Come, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid. And he said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms have come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell you what thou oughtest to do. That's in verse 6. Now, we're going to stop reading today with verse 6. Like I said, uh, we would take time to get started in the book of, uh, in chapter 10, in the book of Acts, we would not have enough time to finish chapter 10. But we certainly want to set the stage for the next broadcast. And in the next broadcast, Peter is going to come, and we're going to see what happens. You might say, God has a special revelation to make to Peter, just like he has a special revelation for Cornelius. And we'll find out what that is, like I say, in the very next broadcast. And that will bring us to the end of today's program. And like I say, I thank God so much for those of you that tune in day in and day out. Some of you have literally been listening to this podcast called Sunshine USA for years. I mean years. And I get blessed hearing about how you have maybe a special time of the day set aside to get on the internet and listen to Sunshine USA. And of course it's not too much longer we'll be celebrating another birthday at Sunshine USA. Like I say, this ministry started back in 2012, the month of September. So in the next couple of months, we're going to be celebrating another birthday here at Sunshine USA, and I thank God for that. And I hope that God gives me many more years to continue preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible right here on Sunshine USA. And one of the things you could do to help us is to tell others about this broadcast. Because chances are, if you enjoy listening to Sunshine USA, you know someone else who would also get a blessing listening to this broadcast. And I hope that you will tune in with them. Maybe invite them over to your house. Maybe you could have some milk and cookies and just sit down and 
study the Word of God together, that would be a great thing. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, but don't fret none, because I'll see you next time here on Sunshine USA.